Hour of Devastation is a fan-supported, listener-supported podcast, supported by people just like you. If you like what you hear and want to show your support, head over to patreon.com slash hour of devastation. A pledge to start from as little as one dollar. Thanks. Welcome to Hour of Devastation, a weekly Magic the Gathering podcast where we talk all things Magic the Gathering. I'm your host, Joe Loudon, and with me as always is Sam Neill. Hiya. How are you doing this week, Sam? I'm not doing too bad. Good. I'm officially under quarantine. Oh, awesome. Welcome to the party. <laughs> or at least I've been told or advised by the NHS to uh, self-isolate for two weeks. Uh, it sucks, doesn't it? I kind of love it. Um, yeah, I've been seeing honest. you loving it and I, I envy you massively. I know. I like. like I think, like I said last week or whenever we last spoke about it, it, it definitely does come a bit of a, a privileged position. Um because I am able to work from home and still be on full pay and stuff, so so that's I know that's a situation that many people are not in, uh, but yeah, I think just knowing that I have that safety net in place, the complete collapse of society in the world as we know it uh, is is kind of something that I'm enjoying. So yeah, keep keep it keep it going, I guess. <laughs> just before I was sort of I was still going to work, so I was still going out and leaving the house, and I was still able to go to the shops. And stuff, and like go for a walk and whatever. I can still go for a walk technically, although they stay two meters away from people. Um, but I can't like leave the house yeah. at, at all, which is yeah. uh, it's a lot. It's a lot more difficult to deal with than I thought it was going to be. But uh, I'm st- I'm fine. <laughs> good. It's good. To, good to hear. Definitely. Um, yeah, I haven't I haven't been further than like my backyard um, for twenty days now. So that's my life now. You seem to be coping with it annoyingly well. Yeah, I do, because I think this is just all I've ever wanted, really. Like, <laughs> I don't have to go out, I don't have to do anything strenuous. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how I'm coping so well, but this is definitely definitely a, a situation that I, I feel like I'm handling very well. And you slowly get to watch capitalism kill itself in the comfort of your own home. Yeah. So that's that's nice. Yeah. I can understand the the, uh, the nice things about it. It's just like, I'm, I'm quite, you know, I'm quite an introverted person. I quite like staying at home and not be going anywhere. Yeah. But not even having the option to like, g- go to Tesco is kind, of, <laughs> kind of difficult. Just like getting out of, out of my house for a bit. But Yeah, it's, it's definitely, fun. like, for, for me, it's definitely an inconvenience. But I'm, I, th- I think, I think I'm hanging in there. I think my, my sanity is in check. Uh, yeah. I'm doing good. I mean, that suggests that your sanity was ever in check at any point. Yeah, exactly. And, and if it wasn't, would you really know? Um, no, I throw that's a fair point. Yeah. Uh, cool. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, yeah. Uh, how was your week in Magic? Did you you manage to engage with it this week? Yeah, I played a few EDH games. Cool. Over Skype. That was nice. Took out uh, Ilharg for a spin, mm. and that deck's just as obnoxious as it always has been, which is nice. Uh, I've been, well, since I've not been going to work, I've just been sort of rebuilding EDH decks and building new EDH decks. Cool. That sounds like a really good use of your time. <laughs> was that meant to sound that sarcastic? <laughs> I don't think it was. I think <laughs> like maybe there was a bit of shade of that, but I, I, I do definitely think that if you have like a large period of time where you don't have to do anything... It is genuinely a really good time to go through your, your magic collection and your decks and sort things out and reorganize things. And I know, I know, like speaking from experience, it's quite easy for your collection to get out of hand. And sometimes you really just need a day or two just to sit there and go through it all and, and just sort of reorganize it. And I think you feel a lot better after doing that. Yeah, I mean, like all my uh, 
all my cards are now color sorted in uh, in order in a big 5k box nice uh, as opposed to being spread out between 20 different bundle boxes uh, all my commander decks are up to date on architect no oh, nice I've listed, listed them all you know that killed some hours I've uh, now double sleeved all my commander decks in resealable dragon shield double sleeves and now I've literally run out of things to do <laughs> <laughs> yeah most play a couple of games I haven't really engaged in magic that much outside of that really uh, but I mean yeah that, that's pretty much been my week in magic because I've Sweet. just uh, played a couple of EBH games and touched a lot of magic cards yeah I mean it, it's good definitely that we are still finding those ways to, to interact like playing games over Skype uh, digital magic definitely um, I think I've I've played a lot of digital magic over the past couple of weeks. So with Vintage Cube being up, I just just hammered that at any tro- any chance I had, and that was really fun. Uh, and then I've been grinding away at the ladder, uh, playing playing mono red and best of one still. Um, I don't know. I keep saying this every month, but maybe this is the month I finally get to Mythic. Uh, but considering I'm like six days in to the month, and I'm in like platinum three, I think this might actually be it. You've definitely said those exact words before. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm feeling better about this one, though. Like, I don't really have anything else to do a lot of the time than just, just sit and grind. And, uh, yeah, I think if I just stick to mono red, I, I, I think I stand a good chance. Yeah, I mean, if you're willing to sell your soul for it, then sure. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm long past that point now. Like, I don't enjoy playing with it. It definitely just feels numb, but, you know... Sometimes it kills five minutes. <laughs> I feel it's really bad when your interaction with magic makes you feel numb. Jesus <laughs> Christ, it's not how magic's meant to make you feel. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've, I've played, it's I've meant played to make magic. you feel something, not nothing. I know, yeah. I very, very much know that. But as far as like best of one magic arena goes, I don't feel anything at this point. Uh, I just, I just kind of want to get on with it whenever I've got a few. A few couple of minutes here or there. It doesn't take that long to play through a game when you're playing mono red, and yeah, I think I'm using the time well. I mean, yeah, I've spent all week engaging with my favorite hobby. I feel dead inside, but I have spent all week engaging with my favorite hobby. Oh, I wish I felt dead inside. I wish I felt dead <laughs> inside. I just don't feel anything. <laughs> this podcast is just more and more an increasing cry for help. <laughs> I wish I felt dead inside. <laughs> Well, we'll see if that makes it to the final edit, because Jesus Christ, Joe. <laughs> Can we very quickly move on? Yeah, totally. Um, we'll very quickly move on to the other th- thing I've been playing this week on Arena, and that is... Um, Russian roulette? <laughs> <laughs> no? Oh, no, no. I, I believe that is uh, that is on Wednesdays only, if I remember correctly. How many gems does that cost? Oh, far too many, far too many. Yeah, so you're just going to have to go on feeling dead inside or not feeling dead inside or, I don't know, any kind of feeling that you're feeling, I guess. Well, there has been something that has been making me feel very good, and that is it's Magic Arena Cube Sealed. Yeah, it's a, a curated limited format, like every cube is. Uh, this one is different to what you would expect to find on Magic Online, so rather than drafting, you are opening six packs and building a deck from that. Uh, I think you've got a lot less control over synergies and, and trying to build you know synergistic decks and combos and stuff and I think it relies a lot more on like just playing the best cards out of the pool you have um all the most powerful cards and, and trying to see how far you can stretch your mana base because there are quite a few dual lands in the set which is cool uh, but yeah I've been loving it absolutely loving it I've got a f- 
quite a few 5-0s and 5-2s on there. Um, I'm finding it quite easy to go limit, uh, to go infinite as well. It's uh, quite a rewarding price structure, I think. Um, if you go 4-3, so if you get like, a positive record, then you get your entry back. Okay, sweet. That's all right. It's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. Um, I think when I looked at the list, I was a bit confused as to why there wasn't certain cards in it, like... Oh, like why is there no like Adelie's Ascender Wind or like like Raph or um, stuff like like Tetsamok. So we we've, we've got like a strange curated list of cards. So it's a bunch of standard cards. It's a couple of formally in standard cards, and then there's like a handful of historic cards as well. I'm not sure if they're currently historic legal, but they have been at some point. Uh, and then stuff like like Reese the Redeemed is in there as well. I know Reese was like a a special brawl event card as well. I don't know. There's, I don't really know how they've decided on what cards go in the set, but it works. It works very well. I've had a load of fun doing it. Uh, and I guess I'm just going to throw this plug in here. If you want to watch me play any games, you can hit me up on YouTube at youtube.com slash peachgardenoaf. I've recorded a couple of, uh, of sealed cube events on there. Go check that out. We have established ourselves as a podcast that isn't very good at plugging social media or plugging anything in general. So, hundred percent. I'm I'm upset that you've done that. To be honest with you, <laughs> it's going to really throw me off the rest of the podcast. Well, I'm sure there'll be other things that we'll forget to plug later on when we come to our plugs. <laughs> we could plug another thing now if you like before we move on to the main the main topic. Yeah, what would that be? Uh, we we now after uh, two years and one hundred episodes. It's actually technically 102 episodes, I checked. Uh, <laughs> but after episode 100, we uh, we have a Discord server. Yeah, we do. Which uh, which you can join for free, if you like. Though it does involve going over to our Patreon. Uh, is it patreon.com slash devastation? It is, yeah. I need that. If you go over there and sign up to the free tier, just to show support to, uh, to sign up to our Discord server, where we can talk about things. And I'm imagining most people listening to a podcast, but much of the other know how a Discord server works. But we now have our own, so please feel free to join it. Yeah, absolutely. I think we'll we'll both be engaging on there. Uh, I, th- I think it's cool. I think we've, we've got a nice little space on there where we're going to be able to hopefully grow quite a cool community. I think. Um, I think it's definitely going to be useful in today's like current climate. Um, the fact that we can't get out to stores and play in events there it means that. We can potentially run our own tournaments over it. I know that's something that I enjoy doing and have the capability to do. So that's something I'll definitely do at some point. We'll run a special Arc Devastation invitational tournament through Discord. Uh, there's definitely quite a lot of things that we can do with it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to see what happens with that. That's also something I'm doing. I'm running um and through Arena. Nice. Using Discord. How's that been going? Uh, we haven't actually done one yet, but I think I've got everything sorted. Um, Sweet. It's... Uh, just getting around Wizards Event Reporter is kind of a problem mm-hmm. because obviously Wizards Event Reporter is essentially down for now because you can't do uh, tabletop tournaments. Uh, so they've just removed all capability of running tournaments. But there are a few workarounds where you can still get pairings done and everything like that. So yeah. I think uh, this Friday we're, we're trying our first one. Um, so we'll see how that goes, I guess. But it, it seems like it should be relatively simple to do. And hopefully, we, yeah, we can, we can recreate, recreate that for, for our listeners. That'd be cool. Awesome. Cool, right, that's plugs out of the way. They felt so unnatural and weird. I was like, yeah, we're definitely going to plug the Discord, and then I, I started doing it. It's like, I've never done a proper plug before. 
and it's well, been two years. <laughs> it's the first time for everything, isn't there? <laughs> Absolutely, right. Uh, what are we gonna What are we gonna talk about for the the rest of this? I'm going to assume two hours because that's the the trend that our episode lengths have been following recently. I think there's some some quite big news. This yeah, after several weeks and nearly a month of just nothing happening in Magic, really, we now have uh, everything happening. And, yeah, uh, definitely feels like uh, that. There's a lot to talk about. Yeah. So on Thursday, Friday, which day was it? It was the second. It was the second of April, Thursday. So as of Thursday, uh, we had the big Akoria reveal uh, over on Magic's Twitch channel, and it was. I don't really know how to sum it up in in in, a, in one word. Really, it was it was it was like nothing we've ever seen before. I think really. Um, the trailer was cool, the trailer was quite interesting. And then it came to the set itself, and there's a lot to talk about there. Uh, yeah, uh, it, I tried to uh, pass all of that information in one sitting, while just sitting on my computer and staring at it, uh, and it induced a panic attack, so that was cool. I enjoyed that. <laughs> That's never happened to me before. <laughs> where I was just looking at magic cards too hard, and just sort of like stressed myself out too much. Um, because there's a lot going on. And there's yeah. a lot to care about and a lot to think about, a lot to... I mean, some of the things, as we'll get to later on in this episode, I still don't really understand. Yeah, definitely same. There it, it was just what felt like a massive info dump. It was just, oh, here's this new thing, and here's this new thing, and then this thing's back, but then this thing's different, and then here's this new thing as well. Just one after the other, giving yep. us lots of things to pass, uh, along yep. with some pretty interesting cards as well. Um, yeah, I think we're going to not necessarily go through some specific cards today but we're going to run down uh just i guess the mechanics and we've got some takes on some of the some of the themes and mechanics in the set oh baby i've got some takes yeah i've definitely got some takes for everyone uh but yeah we're gonna we're gonna leave like talking about specific like until the entire set's previewed i guess we're gonna leave leave talking about uh the cards in specific until then i guess we'll yeah. mention a few cards today but i don't i've, I've specifically uh, picked cards that aren't that interesting to talk, to talk about so we don't just get on a tangent and talk about each card for 10 minutes and just waste the episode. So, <laughs> so that saying, said, saying that, yeah, should yes. we uh, we get to our first one here? Yes, so we, uh, we'll first talk about the, the Akoria mechanics, uh, of which there are, I mean, there's technically two mechanics. Yeah. One thing that's basically a mechanic, and then like three other things that are interesting right yeah agreed definitely so the first the first mechanic proper is cycling yes cycling's um, back the best mechanic the best mechanic yeah it's just it's just objectively the best mechanic it's yep. it's i think it should just be evergreen and then they should put it in every set just on some cards like scry like it it's similar to scry in that it just makes magic better playing it yeah um, especially for limited uh it's just it's just such a such a good mechanic i think they should be all the time but it is back in in Akoria, layer of layer of behemoths that's the one so uh, I picked out an example card, and I said I wouldn't pick out interesting example cards, but this one is kind of interesting, but we'll try not to talk about it too much, which is uh, Yadaro Wandering Monster. Yes, it is very interesting, and I love it. Yes, it is five red red for a legendary creature dinosaur turtle, despite the fact that depicted in the art is clearly a tortoise. It has trample and, trample and haste, and it has cycling for one and a red. Uh, it's an 8-8, eight eight, and it says, uh, when you cycle Yadaro, shuffle it into your library from the graveyard. If you cycled a card named Yodaro Wandering Monster four times this game, put it onto the battlefield from your graveyard instead. It's four or more times this game, so if it's the fifth time you're cycling it, uh, yes. or the sixth time, or seventh, or whatever, then yeah, 
yes, you, can, you can do that again. So I imagine we'll probably talk about this card in, in a future episode when we know all the cards and we'll actually go into it in depth because this card is ridiculous. This card but, is ridiculous. It's very playable and standard. Just Sky Fires is all I'm saying. Yeah, that's probably true. Yep. But yes, we have Cycling Back and I'm very excited about it. Uh, we haven't seen it since Amonkhet and it was a big hit in Amonkhet. Yeah, uh, definitely. Great for Limited, even though the Amonkhet Limited set wasn't great. But it's always great for Limited just because you can have six mana cards that are really good, but if you draw them on turn two, they're not great. But if you can cycle them for two mana, that makes them really, really good. It gives them a different mode. Uh, we have, for the first time... I can't remember. I don't know if the... When was cycling? When was the first set of cycling? Uh, it was a saga. It was a, it was a saga. It was the, sure. the start of cycling. Yeah. Magic's only my only interest, and I should definitely know that. Uh, yeah, for the first time since since then, maybe? I can't actually, I don't actually know, but we have cards that cycle for a single generic mana, which is kind of wild, right? Yeah, definitely. Because uh, we see the, the, the general the general rule with cycling up until now has been a single coloured mana, so it cycles for a red, or it cycles for two generic mana. Yeah. But we have cards like uh, Boon of the Wishgiver, which cycles for a, a single generic mana. Yep. Um, and I think that's interesting. Yeah, that definitely. seems very, very powerful. So uh, we'll have to see how that plays out. But it's just me. Again, I don't want to go too in depth on it because I'll just be talking for ages. Yeah, I, th- I think cycling is great. Like we all know this at this point. Um, like you said, it, it's it just makes everything so much better and limited. Uh, for example, let's say you got like um, I don't know, like six mana five five with cycling two. Um, if you you draw that in your opening hand and two lands. You're going to be far more happier keeping that hand. Um, I mean, yeah. Let's say you've got you've got two two lands. You've got a couple of cheap spells, and you've got this this massive spell, or you've got like uh, like two lands, and then you've got some. You just got big big creatures. Uh, I'm totally buttering this, but <laughs> it's cool. You uh, get your point across. Don't worry about it. So yeah, so it makes it just makes it makes hands a lot more keepable. Um, you've got like say let's say a six and a six mana five five um with cycling rather than that being stuck dead in your hand now you can just cycle it at any point and, and gain some value you just you're not going to be end up just stuck with unplayable cards in your hand yeah that's why it's so good just every card should have cycling yeah agreed. <laughs> every every card should have like cycling three and it'd be really really good uh, and we'll see there's a lot of cards which care about cycling specifically so like when you cycle a card when you cycle your first, when you draw your second card for a turn yeah um Whenever you cycle another card, you do a certain thing, like make tokens, deal a damage, all that stuff that we've, we've kind of seen before, but it's cool to see that being a supported theme. And it looks like it'll be uh, a relatively well-supported limited archetype as well, which is very, very cool. So next we come to, uh, I guess, the new mechanic. Yeah. And this is the one where, in all caps, I've written next to it, I don't know how this works. <laughs> <laughs> we have uh, Mutate. Yes. Uh, and the, the, card, the card that I've pulled up for this is uh, Pouncing... Shore Shark, which I think yes. is also something we should talk about. Uh, yeah, crazy creature types in this set. But uh, oh, Shark sh- Tribal is definitely definitely seems like it's a thing. There's so many sharks. There are so many sharks um, and ridiculous mashups of creatures. Uh, but yes, Pouncing Shore Shark is four in a blue for a creature shark beast. It has flash, and uh, whenever this creature mutates, you may return type creature and opponent controls to its owner's hand. It's a four three, and it has the keyword mutate, which uh, this one is mutate for three in a blue. And the re- uh, reminder text is, if you cast this spell for its mutate cast, put it over or under target non-human creature you own. They mutate into the creature on top, plus all abilities from under it. Which, in terms of 
templating sounds very clunky, and I imagine they went through a lot of inter- iterations of trying to get this to sound good, <laughs> and then they just sort of put this on it because it it, it it and it still doesn't explain it that well what this what this mechanic actually does, but it sounds very clunky. It sounds very clumsy, um, but basically. I'm going to try and describe what mutate is, and then we can discuss how right I am. Okay, yeah, we can go for that. So mutate, you have the card in your hand, so you have a pouncing shore shark in your hand, and we'll ignore the flash bit for a second because I will come to that. You have a, a, a pouncing shore shark in your hand, and you have a vanilla 3-3 in play, say. Yeah. You can pay three and a blue to put pouncing shore shark onto the stack, targeting a, a specifically non-human creature that you control. Yep. That you own. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's that you own, um, not that you control. Yeah, yeah. So I guess at some point, just to make it less, to make there be l- less weird rules and directions, I guess, if you were uh, active trees and something and whatever. Um, so you put it onto the stack targeting that creature, and then it comes into play. Either you can put it on top of a creature. Yep. So if you were to put it on top of a vanilla 3-3, it would be a 4-3, and then the trigger would go on the stack to bounce... Um, and a creature an opponent controls to its owner's hand. Yeah. If you put it under that vanilla 3-3, it would uh, have the, the ability would trigger to return a creature an opponent controls to its hand, to its owner's hand, but it would then be a 4-3 because the pouncing shore shark is on top. If you were to put it on a creature So that with, that's if you put it if you put it over. If you put it on top, so it becomes yeah. so then mutate, the way it works is that is now one creature. Yeah. It has the stats, so the power and toughness of the creature on top. So in yep. that case, it would be the Pouncing Shore Shark. It would, ha- it would be a 4-3. And then it has the abilities of the card under it that you've put it on top of. If you put it under, it has the power and toughness of the creature that you put it under. So say this vanilla 3-3. And then it has the ability underneath. But it is one 3-3 creature. So if it's uh, destroyed, they both go to the graveyard. If it's bounced, this one mutated creature, both of the cards go back to your hand. It is one creature. Yeah. And I believe that if you were to, say, unsummon the vanilla 3-3 in response to mutate targeting that creature, the pounce, pouncing shore shark would go to the graveyard. No. No? It goes back it, to your hand as well? No. It goes into play as a creature? It goes into play as a creature, yeah. So if you if you mutate, um, say so you, you cast pouncing shore shark for its mutate cost, target your 3-3 elk uh, that is specifically a green elk with no abilities. Uh, if your opponent goes, oh, I'm going to Doomblade your elk, Doomblade resolves, kills the elk, the Shore Shark resolves and is a creature on the battlefield. That's just the 4-3. So it works similarly to Bestow from Theros, from original Theros block, yes? Similarly, yes. Yep. Yes, okay, cool. But instead of being an enchantment on that creature, when the, when the, if the creature that you've mutated it onto dies, they both die, right? Yeah, correct. Okay, cool. This is and the thing. It, it it gains the it gains the name of whichever the, the name and identity of whichever one is on top. Essentially, it just gains the abilities of the of the cards on the bottom. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. So it it would be so if the, if the three three had an ability like trample, bouncing shore shark went into the battlefield, and the ability would trigger. Yeah. So it it would if you put mutate, it on the top. mutate trigger would happen, uh, and then it would be. A 4-3 with flash. Whenever this creature mutates, you may return target creature and opponent controls for its owner's hand and trample. So this is the thing. When you release cards and then you don't release the release notes, normally it's kind of okay and you can generally pass what the cards do and whether they're good and where you would play them and, and, and what they're like. But with mutate, it's just so weird. 
it's such a strange mechanic. The ins and outs of it, like generally, it's quite an, quite an easy, quite an easy mechanic to grok, right? You just put a creature on a creature, and then now one creature, right? Yep. That's vaguely like it's relatively easy. And like you said, like like I said, like you can you can call back to things like bestow, where it works similarly. It's yeah, it, it's it's somewhere in between bestow and then uh, host and augment from unhinged. Un- un- unstable stable yes that's the one yeah correct um yeah but that, that's how it works so pouncing shore shark specifically has flash yeah and the fact that mutate the mutate reminder text says cast this spell for its mutate cost when you mutate something you're casting it so it has flash right i would assume so i'm not 100 percent on that at the moment but I, I would assume so because i think you're just you're casting you're casting that card uh so you should still be able to cast that card at any point you could normally cast that card. So if something has flash, you should be able to cast it at instant speed. If it doesn't have flash, it should only be at sorcery speed, unless you have some other effect which which grants you to cast creatures at instant speed, like like I don't know, Vivian's on Nissa's or something. Because the flash keyword says you may cast this creature anytime yep. you can cast an instant, and because mutate specifically in the in the reminder text says if you cast this spell for its mutate cost. That means you're casting it as a mutation, right? Yeah. So therefore, it does have flash. I would assume. Again, like we're not correct. Wait for the release notes. But but at, at time of recording, that's basically how I understand it. Yeah, I, I understand it that way as well, definitely. So there's a lot of there's a bunch of mutate creatures that you can put on top or under. It's like you can choose to put it on top or underneath. But the underneath creature is what has the abilities, and the on top creature is what has the power and toughness. Yeah. And obviously, any any ETB triggers of the on top creature will also trigger and will still have that ability. So if if, if pouncing Shoshark also had flying because I imagine shark beasts probably can have flying in a courier, um, <laughs> and it was it was mutated onto a trample creature, it would be a flying trample creature. Yeah. And you can do that any number of times. You can stack up, like, six different creature cards, and they all become one creature. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely something you can do. If, if, I don't know how beneficial that's going to be in, in Limited. Um, I don't think it's probably going to be that playable in Standard, but uh, in Limited, it's definitely going to be an interesting thing. I don't know how good... You know, stacking six creatures on top of one another as opposed to stacking like three creatures on top of another three creatures will be, but I guess I guess we'll see. See how it pans out. Yeah, it's it's a thing you can do. It's a way that mutate works, right? It's it's certainly interesting. Uh, I think it is like you said. It's one like once people start playing with it, I think it's going to be fairly easy to grok. But it's just at this point, it's not really like anything we've experienced before, uh, and there are. There are a lot of questions. Uh, I think, I think I really feel for the judges. Yeah, I mean, this is. I think this brings me on to my next point. Yeah, I, I think judges are going to get a lot more questions about layers than they were previously getting. Yeah, absolutely. This is the thing. This brings me on to the point I was going to make, and this oh, is the just, first. Just no sell, no sell. Wow. Sorry. You just just no sold that joke. Did I? Yeah. Layers. Yeah. Is that a joke? As in. The creatures it's are layered go, on, top of, on it, top of each is other. Is it going to be layered on top or layered underneath? Yeah, and then layers as in, as in magic rules. Oh, okay. This is my inability to understand a northeast accent, isn't it? I so you're somewhere layer as in layer of behemoths and layers as in the layers. No, no, no. I'm talking about layers as in as in rules as in yeah layers okay, within, within the rules of magic like like yeah, but this has and nothing stuff. to do with oh sure layers and timing but this is layering layering on cards on top of each other and like literally physically layering as opposed to like timestamps and stuff well we butchered that one didn't we yeah wow well i butchered <laughs> it my apologies so with that 
all out of the way and potentially being left in the episode <laughs> brings me to, to my point about, about mutate as a mechanic and this is gonna be the first of two times i say this during this episode is that this set is very obviously designed for arena yeah 100 percent because on arena you don't need a judge you don't need to understand layers you don't need to understand interactions the things just happen yep. you cast you cast a mutate thing you say do you want it on top or underneath or however they're going to word it um and then that happens and that is a creature yeah and, and it'll you, probably just all turn absorbed. into one creature and it'll have the name of the creature the power and toughness of the creature all of its abilities on the creature and then i assume if you hover over it it'll pop up with what the card was underneath as well Yes, which is very easy to do, and I imagine it'll be similarly easy on Magic Online. In terms of paper, this is going to be an absolute nightmare, yep. <laughs> trying to pass what you're meant to be doing, especially, I suppose, pre-release probably isn't actually happening, so that's going to be fine, so people will, I guess, like, the, the pushing back of release dates and everything is probably a good, a good thing for this, because you'll actually have access to the cards and be able to work it out before you first play it. I really think so. I think, although it's really unfortunate that most people probably aren't going to get to play the pre-release i think it might actually end up being beneficial for the set because there is a lot of going on as uh, i i don't i don't feel like a this format would be a, a particularly enjoyable pre-release experience i don't think uh, compared to pretty mm -hmm. much any set i've played in the, in the past just because of that high complexity level i think there'd be a lot of a lot of questions mid games a lot of stop start and a lot of players of all levels asking questions that people just might not have clear answers to couple that with some strange mechanics and then some other mechanics or specifically one card that we're going to get to a little bit later uh, would cause all sort of sorts of problems in paper yeah absolutely i mean it, this is this is this is the thing like people make mistakes at pre-release all the time i've made se several yeah. mistakes at pre-release people do it happens the new cards you haven't you, you've barely seen them and you haven't played with them before so things are going to happen when you add something like mutate into the mix and like you said, the, the card we're going to come to later, it, it something you're just going to it's going to feel so bad. So it's it, it like it's probably a good thing that um, the producer has been pushed, so people will have a chance to like have these cards and maybe own them and look at them and and maybe see people playing with them online before so they can understand how they work. Yeah, but it's it just kind of feels bad that because you know we saw some cards being designed for arena before, like we talked about them before, like cards that Hakdos was one that definitely stood out from the the previous set. Yeah, but that's not that hard because you can easily resolve that with a six-sided dice, right? Yeah, more or less. Yeah. Yeah, um, but we saw cards before that, like, normally would have said. Uh, so, 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 talking about pouncing, uh, pouncing Shawshank specifically, creatures that would would have normally said uh, return target creature to its owner's hand now say target creature and opponent controls to its owner's hand. Yeah. Just to make it slightly easier to resolve on arena and stuff like that, which I had problem with at the time, and it also it, it re <laughs> reduces complexity, I guess. Um, by doing that in this incredibly, what seems to be so far, an incredibly complex set. Yeah. But um, yeah, it, it's it, it just feels kind of bad that they're designing sets specifically for Arena. And, and like, it, I mean, they would have thought about this in paper as well, but this seems like the start of where we just, we're focusing on Arena. This is an online game. We don't pay as much heed to it being a physical game yeah, where people definitely. have to manipulate game pieces and understand a board set they're seeing without annotations and being able to hover over things and having access to google easily i guess <laughs> um yeah so that's that's mutate uh it seems it's a cool mechanic i certainly like think it's cool and like i like i i'm gonna come to the flavor of the set generally at some point that i really like um i mean i i, t I say i talked last week about throne of Eldrain and theros beyond death being some of my favorite sets and i think this is probably it depends how 
good the gameplay is, how good the limited set is. Yeah. But in terms of like the lore and the fact that it's huge beasts and like all this nonsense and mutations and stuff, I think this is very much up up my alley. Um, so you know, <laughs> apparently I just like the most recent set that's been printed. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, cool. Yeah. I. I mean. I guess to, to jump in my own quick first impressions there as well. Uh, I I think it looks great so far. I think it's it's quite different to what I was imagining, um, in a number of different ways. Uh, I think I was was definitely not imagining something as being as complex as this. And I, I think I was I was thinking a lot more. You know, it's going to be you know it's going to be kaiju. It's going to be these big, these big sort of traditional monsters. Uh, it's going to be like, you know, like. I guess we got to talk about them. It's going to be like Godzilla-style monsters. Um, it's going to be these these big beasts, this you know these classic monster beast designs. But it's very much like I don't know, like like a Simic planeswalker has gotten a bit lost and ended up on this plane and is just shoving creatures together. And it's very strange. It's very wonderful, and I think I like it so far. Yeah, it really does seem like a like the Simic combine have taken over an entire plane, right? Yeah, definitely. That's <laughs> just definitely how it feels. Uh, speaking of which, should we move on to the next mechanic? We should, yeah. And I'm not sure this is a mechanic, but it's a feature of the set. And I, I, I guess, so So it's key, the keyword counters, right? Mm, I, I've i just realised that there is another mechanic that we haven't included. That is an actual new mechanic. See, what you should have done is just very quietly typed that in on the show notes and not brought it up so <laughs> that we don't sound massively unprofessional. There's a lot going on in the set. I think <laughs> really forgiven. There's so much. I've already written down so much, and I've apparently forgotten the entire mechanic. So if you just quickly put that in the show notes, so we can come to it in a second. I, but, uh, I think I think we can just I think we just go off on it. Would well, you want to bring it up now before the keyword counters? Yeah, I was going to talk I about. I think so because yeah, sure, it's go. a brand new mechanic. Cool, go. Cool. So yeah, uh, there is another brand new mechanic in this, and this is companion. Oh crap! I totally forgot about companion. Yeah, that's holy that's crap! Right, let me find so, the example card. Give me a sec. Uh, literally the spell chaser. There you go. I think it should be the example, shouldn't it? That works, yeah. Big fan. So yeah, there is a brand new mechanic in this set again uh, called Companion. So Companion uh, essentially has a reminder text in it. It says, if this card is your chosen companion, you may cast it once from outside the game. And then it has... Each companion card has a different requirement uh, to, which needs to be fulfilled in order for that to happen. Uh, it's It's a little bit like a standard version of a commander i guess or like a 60 card constructed version of a commander and uh, the one we're going to use as an example is literally the spell chaser uh, it is one uh is it hybrid is it hybrid for a 3-2 legendary creature elemental otter and luttery's companion requirements are each non-land card in your starting deck has a different name and luttery also has flash uh, and when Luttery enters the battlefield, if you cast it, copy target, instant sorcery spell, you control, you may choose new targets for the copy. So I guess I'm going to say this three times in the entire episode. Uh, this set was designed for Arena. Yes. So, Companion has an ability. It's, so, in a constructed 60-card format, it exists in your sideboard? Yes, that's correct. Because it, ta- it takes up a sideboard slot, right? So it's one of the 15 cards in your sideboard. Yeah, as far as I'm aware, yeah. Sure. Great. This is another thing as much that we don't actually know properly. Like, they've they've implemented so many weird mechanics that we're just not allowed to have the release notes for yet because it hasn't been released judges can't really comment on it because they don't know either some people from watsy seem to not know and know what's going on yeah we, we know that it's it's not from it doesn't start in the command zone so it's not like a commander uh and it just it starts from outside of the game 
And it doesn't count towards your 60 card minimum in your main deck. No, that's correct, yeah. Sure. So, yeah, they, they have... I can't believe I forgot this mechanic. <laughs> so they had uh, they have yeah these these requirements and um, these the requirements so so, so lottery has each non card has to have a different name. Uh, there's another one which is a hippo, which is uh, yeah Karuka the macro sage. Yeah, each card has to have each non card has to have a converted mana cost of at least three or, or greater. Uh, yeah. Which is uh, sure like again again like on arena if you're trying to submit that as your companion or a companion in your sideboard then it's easy because you put that in and then arena will tell you if you put if you put two copies of a card in your if you put two shocks in your deck or, or whatever or with the with the hippo because I've immediately forgotten its name obviously uh, if you were to put a two mana card in there it would tell you that your deck is illegal right yeah definitely you just wouldn't let you play with Karuga as your companion yeah same with uh, same with magic online I would imagine it does the same yeah. thing but uh, in terms of in in terms of paper play, <laughs> You just sort of have to trust that your opponent isn't cheating. You have to trust that your opponent has uh, only one of each. I mean, this isn't going to see proper constructed play, right? Luxury. It's it's it seems probably like not. No, it seems but like nonsense. It, it may be. Uh, it may come up in limited. I think. I, I so I think the issue is, it'll be more of a case of people doing it accidentally, than people are trying to like oh get you and hope you don't notice because you're yeah, always yeah. going to notice because it, it says on the card for Karuga your starting deck contains uh, only cards of converted mana cost three or greater and land cards uh, like if your opponent has played a two drop or or a one drop or they then play a two drop or one drop after they play the Karuga then you know that that's that's not legal and at that point you call a judge over and then explain to the judge what happened etc et um, so you're always going to you're always going to know when a, an opponent is playing it illegally, um, but I, I think there will be cases definitely where your opponent has has played that, but they haven't realised they've they haven't met the conditions or or whatever. I think there's there's definitely going to make be some genuine mistakes, and there's probably going to be more genuine mistakes made with these cards than people just trying to get you. Sure, but I mean that's the thing. It's it's very possible that, especially with 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 luxury, with the the each London card has have a different name, is yeah. um, you can just you could just cheat. And then just, you know, just don't cast the second copy, and yeah. your, your opponent won't know. So like, oh, what am I supposed to check? Man, you know, this, you know, even at Compro with this specific one, yeah, am I supposed to just check my opponent's deck every time I play against a luxury in the sideboard? Because you have to reveal it, right? Do you have to reveal it, or do you just have it in your sideboard and you can cast it at a certain point? Uh, I, I again, I don't know. I would assume that it's just in your sideboard and you can cast it from outside the game. So it's hidden information, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so and this is the thing. So this obviously doesn't matter on Arena because they'll cast it, and if, if they've cast it against you on Arena or on Magic Online, you'll know that they've met the requirements, so it's fine, because you literally yeah. can't cheat. Um, and it, it also falls in line very well with uh, the open decklist tournaments that they seem to favour currently with uh, MPL and rival-level tournaments where everyone yeah, has an open decklist anyway. So it doesn't matter because you can see that they have this companion in their sideboard, and you can see that their decklist um, meets the requirement. Uh, it's just... It, it's not... It doesn't work well with how magic has worked up until this point, you know. Like, yes and no. I think it's. I think it might seem to be more of an issue than it actually is, uh, just because this is not a mechanic that we've seen before. It's not a requirement that we've seen before, and it's it's there and it's very obvious when this is going to happen. Uh, I realistically, what's the difference between 
uh, your opponent playing two cards with the same name in their deck and a luxury at the sideboard. Uh, what's the difference between that and then your opponent playing five lightning bolts? If you don't see the yeah, fifth lightning sure. bolt, if you don't sure, see sure, the sure. second card, you know. Sure. I guess it's just it's just another way in which people can cheat if they wanted to. Not yeah, and I I think it's I think it's because it's because it's there because it's very visible because our focus is on this being oh this needs a specific requirement. Uh, I think people are going to be on the lookout for it more or that sort of thing will be noticed more, but. You know, realistically, there's nothing stopping your opponent from playing five copies of Luttry in their 60-card deck, is there? No, that's very true. So I don't think... That's why I don't think it's going to be that big big of an issue, at least on purpose in Paper Magic. I think it'll happen by accident more often, but definitely, like, Arena and Magic Online, it's going to be much better to play this set for Limited because you just aren't going to be able to cast those cards as Companions. Yeah, sure. Cool, so that's that's Companion. Um, before we it's move a, on, it's a strange one. I think yeah. it's obviously we've seen this mechanic in other games. Uh, Hearthstone being the main one. Uh, famously, Hearthstone had it had two cards which caused massive problems in their their standard format for a while, which was uh, Baku the Moon Eater and uh, Gen Greymane. So they both had uh, start of the game. If your deck has only odd cards, upgrade your hero power. Uh, and start of the game. If your deck has only even cost cards, then your starting hero power costs one. Uh, they caused all sorts of problems and had to be moved to the Hall of Fame early. Um, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think they're going to be that impactful. The ones we've seen in in Magic, but I, I think there's definitely some interesting cards and mechanics there, which I, I guess we'll go we'll go into a bit more depth as we get more of the, of the full set. But there's definitely one or two cards I want to play around with there. I mean, this is the thing. Like, you, you bring up Hearthstone specifically. Like, this is a design space that they wouldn't have dared consider, were they not? Trying to be, yeah, trying yeah, to be digital card game exactly. Yeah. And this is just proving that they, they value, or at least they seem to value being a digital card game far more than they value being a physical card game. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, yeah, because it just, you you can do those things with Hearthstone and you can't do those things with Magic the Gathering very easily. And with it being on Arena and with having open deck list be a thing in your major tournaments, then this is just a lot easier. Yeah. But yes, that is Commandion. And before we do move on, I will just mention that this one has been insta-banned in Commander, <laughs> which is which is very funny. A lot of people like were were mad about it and and didn't really understand why it was immediately banned because it was it was ba- it was banned exactly the same time as it was as it was previewed. Yeah, which is the fastest a card's ever been banned, I think. Yeah, um, it was banned before it was even in print, uh, and it's certainly the first time that's happened to a card in Commander. But uh, we should I should mention briefly how it works in Commander is that it it, it just does. Because yeah. normally, so so cards that say from outside the game have essentially been errated to mean sideboard. So stuff like wishes, they now specifically refer to your sideboard, and that's where you see like uh, like uh, masterminds acquisition, right? Was yeah. was playable in best of one. Um, is a card that exists in your sideboard is what from outside the game means. So uh, cards with a companion will exist in just they're just there. They're not in your 99 starting cards they're not in your command zone next to your commander they're not, they're not in a sideboard because sideboards don't exist in commander they're just there your companion is a thing you can cast uh, and luxury specifically its companion requirement is just commander <laughs> yeah so each non-card non card has to have a different name that's how commander works so yep. this is just in every deck that has a blue red identity and we won't get into the hybrid mana debate <laughs> but every <laughs> every um blue red 
a commander deck with a blue-red identity can just play this just as a 101st card that you don't have to draw that you can always cast. Yeah, I mean, there's one or two exceptions, but yeah. Yeah, you don't have you don't have to jump through any hoops. You just can have you should it's it's correct to always play this because mm. for three mana you can just have um, a reverberate fork. Yeah, yeah, you can yeah. just have a three mana fork that's also a three two. Just like like dual caster mage, which is slightly easier to cast. And yeah, yeah, is a three two. Yeah, you can just you can just have it every game all the time. You can always have it available on turn whatever turn you have three mana. So that's why it's been immediately banned because it it should, if we're talking about you know, correct deck building or whatever, this should just be in every every blue red commander deck. Uh, so that's why it's been instant banned. And if you're complaining about it, shut up yeah. and think about it for a second. I I do think it's strange that it's only that one has that's been instant banned and not the rest of the companions. Or do you just have a rule and say, oh, you can't companion and commander? Well, no, yeah. This is the thing. The, the thing I find weird is the fact that they've allowed companions because yeah. the, the the thing with commander. Um, is it has a set of rules, right? And the command commander is you must have one hundred, including your commander, singleton cards in a deck that you shuffle up and play with, play with, um, and, and shuffle up and present at the start of the game and play with that, right? Yeah. And now, now because of this mechanic that no one on the rules committee has designed, this is entirely from Wizards of the Coast themselves, who don't actually control the commander format. They just print cards into it. Uh, have just design, designed these cards that are now just a hundred and first card in commander, and they, they technically break the rule that has been decided by the rules committee, right? But. Yeah. they've made the decision, it's fine, I'm probably not going to play with them, if people want to play with them that's absolutely fine because it's legal, so sure, whatever. Um, But the thing with the other companions, so like the, 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 I still can't remember the name, the the, the hippo card. Karuga, the the macro sage. Sure, the thing with Karuga is that it actually applies a restriction to your deck. Yeah. So you you can't play Sol Ring or Signets or Rampant Growth or Farseek, you can't play those cards, whereas Luxury has no restriction whatsoever, it just is a card that exists because its restriction is just what you're doing anyway to play the game of Commander. With other cards, you have to do certain things with your deck, and it is a deck building restriction. That if you want to implement that restriction, you therefore get a benefit. Yeah, but that doesn't apply with luxury because luxury is just a card that you should just play yeah, because it's always there. It's always yeah. Free. You don't have to do anything. You can just take your current Niv Mizzet Perun deck that you've built and have had for since Niv Mizzet Perun has been legal, and just add this card into your deck box. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the problem. It's just it should always just be there. So. This is why I didn't want to talk about specific cards. So we'll move on to our next one, which is the keyword counters. Yes. So, okay, the third time. This set is designed for Arena. Uh, so the card that I've chosen to use as an example is Luminous Broodmoth, which I yes. imagine we will also mention later in the podcast again. <laughs> but Luminous Broodmoth is two white, white for a insect creature. It is a 3-4, it has flying, and whenever a creature you control without flying dies, return it to the battlefield under its owner's control with a flying counter on it. Yep. So flying counter, it's, it's you know, very obvious to... to uh, what, it, what it does is very obvious, is that it's a counter you put on your creature, and it has flying. Yeah, definitely. So this isn't actually the first time we've seen this mechanic. It's the first time we've seen it, like, as a, like... You know, I, as an actual on... legal magic card for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So prior to this, uh, in the convention edition of Mystery Booster, you had Recycler Bird. Uh, Recycler Bird was a creature. It's a one-one for one blue with uh, flying, and it has when Recycler Bird dies, put a flying counter on target creature you control. And obviously at that point, nobody had any idea what a flying counter was. I think you know most people assumed that it, it it was what it is uh, and that it's it's quite it's quite a simple straightforward easy to grok mechanic and the fact that oh you put a counter on this card that's a flying counter that card now has flying or you put a trample counter on that card that means that card now has trample 
uh, rather than like giving rather than having cards which like oh give this card plus three plus two and trample till end of turn now we've now got a way to to give that card trample permanently in the form of a counter yeah so this uh the counters exist for basically every uh, every evergreen keyword right trample yeah, flying like most of them i think i think there's 10 in total currently yeah so you've got you've got the ones and there are uh, multiple cards uh, including the the luminous brew buff that provide counts to your creatures and therefore give them that keyword um so yeah this is not a thing that we've seen doing magic before and the only possible reason i can think for why they're doing this is because it's much easier to implement on arena yeah 100 percent uh again i feel like this is another one which might have gotten out of control at pre-release a bit um you, they are providing some like punch out counter cards in packs i'm not sure if every pack has one i really hope every pack has one um with all the keywords on i think they're double-sided i'm not quite sure um and I, I do feel like this 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 could quite easily get out of hand if you don't have a very clear way to track what abilities a card has i mean you better hope they're in every pack and then some because if you're playing with the cards specifically like luminous broodmoth you're probably going to give quite a few creatures flying flying yeah that is true and just just having like two flying counters isn't going to be enough <laughs> especially yeah. if the other side the other side of that is also the trample counter and you need a trample counter like you're going to need so many of these and this is this is why we haven't seen wizard of the ghost do this before because it's just such a pain to actually implement in paper magic yeah um and, and but then again it, on online platforms it works perfectly because this creature now has flying and it's an easy way to track it sure uh but i mean <laughs> we already have people that don't carry around dice to put to put on plus one plus one counters and minus one minus one counters onto their creatures and now you have to have some dice to track all that stuff and then all these counters that you know if they're made of the paper you probably have to make your own or like <laughs> someone will capitalize on it and make a series of like metal counters that or plastic counters that go onto your creatures yeah. to, to indicate flying and stuff and that's just another thing you have to carry around with you which is but kind, then of, what kind if, of a pain what if you also have like three different token types three different token creature types with three different plus one plus two counters or whatever on them and then they all gain different abilities it's yeah it's going to get out of well i don't know if it is going to get out of control very quickly but i think it, there's definitely potential there especially like especially if you if you're playing not necessarily in like standard or, or pioneer or whatever but like if you're playing commander and you've got a bunch of different cards in your commander deck which give all of these different ability counters i feel like it is very quickly gonna get out of control yeah, and I mean, this is why we saw them move away from plus two, plus two counters and minus zero, minus mm. one counters and all the things like that, because they're just a nightmare to track. Yeah. But now that you can do it on a digital client, who cares? Because it's just easy yeah. to do, so it doesn't matter. So yeah, that's that's uh, that's the, the keyword counters, as I'm going to call them. Uh, and we should, speaking of this is designed for Arena and a nightmare for Paper Magic, talk about a specific card called uh, Crystalline Giant. Yeah. Because Jesus Christ, <laughs> what is this card? So, Crystalline Giant is a, a three generic mana artifact creature giant. It is a 3 3. And it has the following text At the beginning of combat on your turn, randomly choose a kind of counter. At, what? Oh, I'm, I'm reading. Well, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm reading the, uh, the mythic spoiler text that someone has written, and they've put at the beginning of combat on your turn, randomly choose a kind of counter at random. I'm going to read it <laughs> off the actual card. At the beginning of combat on your turn, choose a kind of counter at random that Crystalline Giant doesn't have on it from among Flying, First Strike, Death Touch, Hexproof, Lifelink, Menace, Reach, Trample, Vigilance, and plus one plus one. Put a counter of that kind on Crystalline Giant. What? 
Yeah. Okay, so that's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different types of counter. Yeah. That you then have to randomize to then put on this this card. So I, I think the first one is easy. I think the, the first time you do this, you roll a d10. You assign each one of those uh, abilities to a number on a d10. You roll a d10, and there you go. That's it. That's fine for the first one. I think as it goes down, nine, eight, seven, all because it, it's it's you put a counter on for each for uh, for one that it doesn't have. So you would then need like it like a d9, a d8, a d7, a d6, and so on. And that's it's just not feasible. Yeah, it's a total nightmare. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it just like. This card exists for Arena, because like we've said about the, the other mechanics, this just happens. You you cast a Crystalline uh, Giant, and then it goes to the beginning of combat, and then Arena will randomly choose a thing for you, and then it will appear on Crystalline Giant, and then you move through combat, and everything else happens, right? Yeah. Uh, that can't happen in paper. You actually have to do it. And like you just said, it's like a nightmare to, to do the next 9 or 8 or 7 or whatever. Uh, and it just it, it requires too much to happen and to get things wrong and to just lengthen the game for no discernible reason and I like the design of the card, the design's cool but it's a Hearthstone card, it's not a magic card Yeah, agreed there definitely, uh, I think it is a, it's a very cool card and it's a totally unique ability I really like it um, it's going to be a disaster on paper, definitely but I think playing this on Arena is going to be fun, uh, I think playing this on Magic Online is going to be fun as well, uh, this card I'm going to assume at this point that this card is going to see a lot of play on Magic Online. Um, it costs three mana and it's an artifact, therefore it's it's at least one in a in a Mishra's Workshop deck in Vintage. Yeah, probably. And like plus one plus one card has already exists on Walking Ballista, so yeah, yeah. Like Ravager, Ravager shops could just could probably just play this. I know there's a few people testing it out already in that deck. Uh, it's. Um, it's going to be interesting, definitely. Yes, but let's not get bogged down with uh, talking about one specific card. <laughs> yes, for sure. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have time for that. But yeah, this is just an example of just uh, this just being a digital digital card game far uh, far more than it is uh, a physical card game at this point. So yeah. let's move on to, to, to just briefly discuss these. Uh, as we've already discussed with uh, Lutri, Hybrid Mana yep. is a thing. Hybrid Mana is back. Yeah, we know there are rare cards with Hybrid Mana. And it looks like there's going to be a cycle at Uncommon as well. Um, I've seen a, a handful so far. Um, I think it's cool. Hybrid Man is always fantastic. And yep. from the looks of it, this limited format's going to be very good. And those cards are going to be quite playable in the limited format. Yep. Maybe one or two of them might be playable in Standard as well. So I, I think it's great. I'm looking forward to that a lot. Yeah, Hybrid, hybrid, uh, hybrid Man is great. And you can only play them in Commander decks where the both hybrid colours fit into that Commander's colour. Let's move on. <laughs> Strong agree. Yes. Uh, next up, we have colorless non-artifact creatures, of that which currently that aren't Eldrazi or spirits or uh, I, I don't know. I think they've they've only been Eldrazi and spirits so far. Uh, yes. Ugin's Ugin's conjurant is that a spirit? That is a spirit. Yep. Yep. And then you uh, have it's, the... it's ghost fire stuff, isn't it? So yeah. it's not Eldrazi and it's not Ugin, probably. Oh, I hope it's not an Ugin egg. That would suck. Yeah. But yeah, the, the card we're talking about is a mysterious egg. It is. It's an egg. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's an egg, yeah. <laughs> I, I love this. Uh, it's mysterious egg. It is one generic mana for a zero two. Uh, it's an egg. Whenever this creature mutates, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. 
it's probably not that interesting for any particular constructed format. It might be interesting and limited if you just need a small creature to mutate some cheap, cheap cards on and gets bigger. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, but Agreed. yeah, colorless, colorless non-artifact creatures that aren't spirits or Eldrazi. Yeah, very rarely do we see them, but I always love seeing them when we do. Yeah, it's cool. Cool. Uh, and the next thing to hit on is Planeswalkers with static abilities. Yeah, we've seen two Planeswalkers so far. Uh, we have seen Vivian, and then we've seen everyone's favourite um, Joe Exotic lookalike. It's Looker Copycoat Outcast. We are not turning this into a Tiger King podcast. He is the Tiger King, though. Look at him. He's got a giant tiger. He's got questionable fashion sense. It's, uh, yeah, one for one, Joe Exotic. I mean, he's also like an awful misogynist, and does he murder and breed animals? We haven't read the novel yet, but who knows? <laughs> Depends if who Greg knows? Wiseman's uh, written it, and in which case, probably yes to both of it's, those things. Django Wexler has written it, and it, it looks like it's going to be quite good. Excellent. I'm excited for that. <laughs> so, uh, Vivian, Monsters Advocate. I'm not going to read the whole card, because we're not talking about specific cards. But it has the uh, static ability, which we haven't seen since War of the Spark, right? No, we saw it on Chandra in M20. Uh, you may look at the top card of your library at any time. You may cast creature spells from the top of your library. So that's a thing that I guess is just evergreen now. Static abilities on Planeswalkers. Yeah. I'm fine with it, I guess. Yeah, I'm fine with it. I think uh, this, or I guess these abilities um, specifically, are are fine, definitely. Um, Vivian's known for doing that ability already. Uh, I don't think it's going to cause any issues. Uh, it's It's not something that's taxing on your opponent, which I think is where... The real issues lie specifically cards like like Narsa and, and Kasmina caused a lot of problems. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't imagine Vivian's going to ca- cause any problems here. Yeah, if it's uh, just like if it's not static abilities on mass and it just exists on one card and the card that it, it's on only affects your game and doesn't apply to your opponent, it's just a thing yeah. you can do. That's perfectly fine. I think this is a good implementation of static abilities. I agree there definitely. Yeah. Cool. Right. And finally, uh, a quirk of the set is that wedges are back. They are, yeah. But they are no longer called their Khan's names based on the, wow. the crystal cycle. Yep. So we, we have uh, crystals named certain things. We have uh, Savai crystal, Zagoth crystal, Katria crystal, uh, Indatha crystal, and Ra- Ralgrin. And those are... Uh, Zyva is what was, what was originally Mardu, so it's red, white, black. Uh, Zagoth is blue, uh, black, green, blue. Ketria is green, blue, red. Uh, Indatha is white, black, green, and Ralgrin. I'm going to say Ralgrin is uh, blue, red, white. So we have the 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 wedges. Yeah, um, those names aren't going to catch on. Are they? No, they. I mean, <laughs> I was I really struggled to pronounce them, so hopefully not. <laughs> but yeah, I guess uh, the wedges have been technically renamed. I guess. Uh, but yeah, the, the, a wedge theme exists here. We also see some uh, some legendary creatures that feature in the wedges of, I'm just going to call them Mardu, Sultai, Abzan, etc. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> um, yeah, and there seems to be like a, a vague theme related to those colours. Whether that will come through in Limited properly or not, we'll see. But we have uh, some enemy colour enemy color legends as well. Um, and some allied colours. We just have a lot of double colour <laughs> multicolour creatures. Um, and multicolour features have very heavily in the set. There's a lot yeah. of multicolour cards, both hybrid and uh, just gold cards in general. Um, so yeah, that's cool. It's a multicolour set. I'm always a big fan of multicolour sets. Yeah, I think the, the other thing I want to add about the, those crystals is that they have cycling, which is, again, fantastic. Um, We're not going to talk I about think... specific cards, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm not talking about specific, specific cards, but I guess I'll, I'll just, just... I just think they're going to be great for the limited format. Big fan. Don't like the names, but big fan. Yeah, absolutely. Cards. It's going to be great. Um, yeah. Cool. So that is Ikoria in a nutshell in terms of the, the cards. We will, at a later date, maybe next week, maybe the week after, 
whenever we get the full spoiler i don't know time is immaterial i don't know what day it is and i've only been off work for four days um <laughs> we uh yeah we'll, we'll talk about cards and specifically we're excited about there are certainly a lot of cards in the set that i'm very very excited to play with to discuss to just to see i think this set's really cool as i said earlier and i'm very excited for these cards now let's move on to the bit that i have literally written in the show notes i'm just going to let joe go off on this one <laughs> we have uh, a, a godzilla tie-in and i'm gonna uh, i'm do. gonna i'm gonna mute my mic on the recording and i'm just gonna let you talk until you run out of things to say is that cool, cool with you that is that is absolutely fine with me so yeah right, we have uh, magic's very first uh first crossover event in black border uh it's it's something that on on paper i i'm very conflicted on i love godzilla i love kaiju movies like with with, with a passion i know that they're not something that i, I bring up much or, or talk about but i've been a massive fan of the godzilla movies like the toho films in specifically for most of my life grew up watching them massive massive fan so it was really cool seeing the these cards um the art is incredible i think the all of the artists have done a fantastic job of representing godzilla and just an abundance of monsters and they've really gone deep on some of the monsters i think stuff like like king caesar having two cards is quite interesting uh we've got like dorat the perfect pet uh is a card here which is a bit of a bit of a very niche monster type really um but makes sense in the context of the card that's being i think as pieces of art they're fantastic they look really cool i just really struggle with the idea of having other intellectual properties in black border magic i think if these had been silver border magic i would have loved them and would have just snapped up just multiple copies of each card uh, I think I'm still probably going to buy, end up buying multiple copies of each card anyway, just to collect them. But I don't think that I I want to play them. Uh, so I guess for those who haven't seen the cards yet, um, they are a, a bunch of different kaiju and Godzilla from the the Godzilla films. Uh, they have art of those characters in a Godzilla setting, uh, and then they also have the name of those characters as well. So we'll use. Godzilla Primeval Champion, as the example here. Uh, it has a big picture of Godzilla. He's in a city, presumably Tokyo. There are fighter jets in the sky around him as well. That's a bit strange in Magic 2. And then we also have uh, the abilities of the card. So it's 7 green green for a dinosaur beast. It's an 11-11 with Trample. It's cycling for 1 to green. And when you cycle, Titanoth Rex put a Trample counter on target creature you control. Now, Titanoth Rex is not the the name at the top of the card here the name at the top of the card is godzilla primeval champion but then below that in small we have titanothrex uh which is the actual name of the card so i think the way that they described this was that the godzilla names are the the flavor names and then the rules names or mechanic names are the smaller name underneath that so i think it's best to think of these as just it's just like a dlc skin for a video game like if you want to play with the, the default, default skill, you can, you totally can. I guess in this case, if you want to play with like the, the showcase skin as well, you can do that too. Or you can splash out a bit and you can play with the cool crossover Godzilla skins. I personally don't like them appearing in Black Border Magic and I don't want to play with them myself. But if people want to, that's totally fine. Like magic, you can engage with magic in, in any way you want. Um, 
some things are fun for some that aren't fun for others. As standalone cards outside of Black Border Magic, I think these would be incredible. These would be fantastic in a silver bordered set. Or I think if if Hasbro decided that they wanted to make a Godzilla collectible card game in the style of Magic, I would be one million percent into that and would would quit this podcast tomorrow and go do my own Godzilla trading card game podcast. Definitely. <laughs> That's that's how much I th- I think they're awesome. I just I just really struggle with wanting to see them on arena and wanting to see them in play across from me. Uh, I I don't know. Like it sounds like I'm just kind of like poo pooing them a bit, but yeah, I I just I just struggle with it, with conflating different IP. Or like already existing IP that isn't Dungeons and Dragons because we've got Dungeons and Dragons cards already in Magic and that's fine. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's different. It's different, and I should love these. In a vacuum, I love them, but in the context of them of being played as standard cards, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't think I'm a. I'm a, I'm a fan. Right, you're tagging me back in. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think I just generally agree with you. And your uh, your assessment of these cards, I think they're sweet. I think seeing Mothra and Destroyer on a Magic card is cool. Yeah. I think seeing skyscrapers and jet fighters and tanks on a Magic card, it's kind of cool, kind of weird. It's so strange. It's really, really strange. I think they look great. If you look, at, if you go and look at them, um, they look awesome. Like the border, yeah. the full up, full up border. You know the uh, translucent, transparent text box. Uh, all, yeah, all the, the art. The art is absolutely incredible like i think they've like the the godzilla license is is obviously one that toho protect uh, qu- quite quite valuably like they hold it quite valuably um i know it is like outside of like major cinema tie-ins it's very difficult to get a hold of godzilla merchandise in the uk i know that's that's something we've i've definitely struggled with myself like even when i worked in, in a in a local game store like there were a lot of cool Godzilla stuff that was always advertised in like diamond previews, for example, that just didn't ship to the UK because there wasn't licensing issue. There wasn't licensing there in the UK, or it was only available in in certain territories. And I think they Toho definitely hold that that license in 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 high regard. So I think any anything that they were going to do with that license, any bits of art, or any way they were going to incorporate it in that game would have to be done to a certain to a certain very high standard, and I think they've totally nailed it here. There have been a lot of people saying this is going to be the death of magic, which I think is hilarious, because <laughs> no, people yeah. people will latch on to literally anything and call it the death of magic. Yeah. Uh, rip magic 2020-2020. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, these are just promotional cards. If you want to quit magic over promos, yeah. feel free, and I will laugh at you the entire time. That's 100% that's it. It's They're, they're promotional cards, they're completely optional. You do not have to play these cards. These cards don't really even exist in black border they just kind of exist in no border really and there's a bit of black border on the bottom and their skins are black border cards but they don't like technically they don't exist in the world in the realm of magic uh which like even that i feel like give it enough time and i'll, I'll totally adjust to and be fine with as well because if you look back at magic's past you already have things like, like you've got frankenstein's monster that's a card that existed already, um, which is obviously, you know, not Magic's IP, is it? 
you've got like, I don't know, like presence of the master with like the picture of Einstein on it. Like there have certainly been cards in Magic's early day that have have referenced other things. Like I don't know, ninety percent of Arabian Nights are cards from like other other things. Like like Aladdin is in Arabian Nights. Like actual Aladdin named Aladdin. Like you know, having other IP in Magic isn't really a new a new concept. I feel like give me enough time and I'll be totally fine with it. I think it's because it's so it's so in your face, I guess, for want of a better term. Uh, and not something that we've ever seen before at this level. I think it just feels a bit odd and a bit wrong for me. I mean, I think my favourite take on this was Pleasant Kenobi saying that if we can have Godzilla on magic cards, can we go back to having like actual literary quotes on magic cards as the flavour text? Yes. That please, would definitely that would be with. fantastic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, you can play with uh, Brockus, Apex of Forever... Or you can play with Biocourt Space Godzilla, <laughs> which is cool. Uh, whichever one you want to play with. I mean, and I know that you're, you know, like you said, you're a huge fan of Kaiju and Godzilla in general. Yep. Um, but you don't want to play with them. That's cool. You can, you can, you can play with uh, Vadrock Apex of Thunder, or you can play with a literal. I probably Rodan won't play with that either, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> or you, you can play. Yeah, you can it's... play Rodan. Like it, it, you, if you don't like them, just don't play them. <laughs> it's quite Shut strange up. because I, I really like them. And I really want to collect them, but I don't want to play with them. I don't know what that is yet. Like maybe, maybe it is just because it's so new and different that I just need a bit of time to get used to it personally. Um, but yeah, it is is like standalone pieces of art. They're incredible, and I, I definitely want to collect a full set and maybe frame them or something because they are really cool. They yeah, can go along they're... alongside all my other kaiju collectibles. They're great. I mean, yeah, they're they're they're, they're basically altars that. Wizards of the Coast have actually sanctioned, right? Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Cool, they're, they're great, and you know, if you want to play with them, play with them. If you don't want to play with them, shut up about it. No one yeah. cares. If you want to leave magic over the fact that Godzilla appears in the magic card, please do. <laughs> cool, right? <laughs> so, agree. Yeah, yeah. I guess I'll, I guess I'll just note quickly that there are uh, there are eighteen in total. Uh, sorry, nineteen in total. Uh, one of them is Godzilla King of the Monsters, which is only available as a box topper, um, as the buy box promo. Uh, the 15 of the rest are available in collector boosters, uh, in English collector boosters, uh, and in the English box topper promo pack. And then there are three which are only available in Japanese uh, box topper packs. Uh, those three are Mechagodzilla, Badra, and then Mothra's Cocoon. I'm really excited that I've uh, managed to secure two Japanese boxes of the Courier then. Yeah, if uh, if I get those, if I get any either of those, any of those three, then I'll uh, ship them your way. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We'll we'll pay you some good money for those. I will give them to you for free, you idiot. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> cool, right. I, I guess I guess very quickly we just have to touch on one more thing in regards to these as well. Uh, the name of one of them is very unfortunate. Oh my god, yes. Yeah, so there is a card in the set called uh, Void Beckoner. Uh, and this one has a Godzilla frame. Uh, the Godzilla frame on this one, in the first wave of cards... Has a very unfortunate name, um, which held meaning in, a to- in a, what feels like a totally different context when this card was designed and printed. I mean, it feels like it was a different, just era. <laughs> just everything. <laughs> in human yeah, life, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. So this one has the unfortunate name of Space Godzilla Death Corona. Uh, yeah, which is obviously reference to uh, Space Godzilla's Corona Beam. Yep. But uh, yeah, so in the, in the first wave, which have already been to print, and they're apparently always oh, has released a statement about this that they can't do anything about, it will be called Space Godzilla Death Corona, which is a card you can own. And then uh, in subsequent printings, it will be Space Godzilla Void Invader. 
yeah. I believe is the name, uh, because they understand that that's you know not a great thing for a magic card to be called, uh, and in this day and age, not a great thing for something to make reference to. Yeah, so absolutely. So you can own a copy of Space Gods at a Death Groaner if you want, and I'd probably command a small premium <laughs> because of yeah. it. Uh, I, I, think, I think the foils specifically are going to command more than a small premium. I think we've yep. seen some examples where there have been one or two collectible foils in the past for whatever reason. Um, French Delay being a notorious one that I've just, just commanded a ridiculous premium. Um, yep. I think this is going to be in a, a similar boat to that. Yeah. If you do collect uh, French Delays, then stop listening to this podcast. Strong agree. Yeah. Next. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Before we, this is, this is again, is going to be a very long episode, but there's so much to talk about. Before we go, I do briefly want to uh, mentioned the commander decks that are coming as a tie-in with the courier so yeah. this is technically commander 2020 commander 20 product but it's been tied in with uh, with a courier with uh, other commander decks uh, coming later in the year with uh zendikar rising i think so cool yeah. and commander legends uh, we have five commander decks and they all tie in very well and it's become very difficult to pass twitter and spoilers because they all look they all are a courier cards basically they have the same yeah, lore, they have much. the same very similar characters they have all the same mechanics um so you look at a card and before you look at the set somebody you're like is this an Akoria card or is this a commander card but we have there uh, was there was definitely a, a minute where i thought that they'd reprinted crop rotation the standard i'm not gonna lie yeah that was a crazy time <laughs> but yes we have uh, we have five commander decks and this is the first time they've done five commander decks since um c16 with the four color commanders um, yep. And we were trying to work out why there were five commander decks because it's weird for them to do five commander decks because they haven't adhered to the, the color combos for for a long time since since the four color commander decks because since then they've been like there's been a mono red deck and a is it deck and an absan deck and a four like you know like they've been they haven't fit a specific structure uh, yep. but this time the reason that they're uh, that there are five decks is because they fit into those those five wedges that I mentioned before so we have specifically uh, human tribal uh, which is led by J- J- Jirina Kudrow, which is a Mardu deck, so it's red, white, and black. Uh, and not Lisa Kudrow. No, 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 I wish it was Lisa Kudrow. That's going to be a mega great altar for someone. <laughs> so that is your red, white, and black human deck. We have uh, Instant Tribal, is what I'm going to call it, so it's like a spell slinger deck, which is Tima, which is uh, headed by, I'm trying to keep track of all my tabs, uh, Kalamax the Storm Sire. Again, I'm not yep. going to go into specifically what they do. They do spell slinger stuff for it. Uh, we have uh, Keyword Counters Tribal, tying into a courier, which is uh, Abzan, which is led by uh, Cathril Aspect Warper. It does things with Keyword Counters. We have a cycling deck in Jeskai, which is headed by Gavi Nestwarden, uh, which obviously cycling features heavily in, in a courier, so that, that's a nice tie in there. And the final one is we have Mutate as the as the key mechanic, which is a Saltai deck. So your, your black, green, and blue deck, which is uh, Otrimi. The Ever Playful, which is yeah. probably... I don't really want to play this card, but it's like my favourite card ever because it's called The Ever Playful, but it's also a Nightmare Beast and the art on it <laughs> the art on it is incredible um, and it's my favourite art in quite some time. But those are your Commander decks and they look very, very cool. You can see the full spoilers of those at time of recording. Uh, several different channels slash podcasts slash whatever have been given the chance to spoil those decks in full if you want to go check those out. They're very, very cool. So I know the, the Commander Versus from Star City Games are doing the Jeskai one. Uh, the Command Zone are doing one of them, Commander's Quarters are doing one of them. Uh, they look really cool. I'm very excited for these decks. They look very well designed. Partner Commanders are back, so that's cool. But they're specifically partnered with, like we saw in Battlebond. So uh, rather than just being like, because it was a mess last time <laughs> in the four-color decks, being like um, two cards that you, you have, was it 16 partners or something like that, 
and you could pair any one of them with each other. These have the battle bond partner with mechanic where it's um, they find each other, right? So you cast one of them and they find the other half and those feature. So within the wedges, they have uh, an allied color pair and then the enemy color pair. So the allied color pair is one creature and then the other creature is the, the other color of that wedge. And they look cool and they do things together. And there's a lot of cool reprints. There's a lot of cool new cards. I'm. This is, uh, I think, my favorite commander set they've done in quite some time since like well just for a long time the, the, the design seem cool the reprint seem cool the fact that it's tied to the flavor of a courier is very very cool uh so yeah that, those, are your, those are your commander decks and that yeah. i think finally puts a bow on all the things we have to talk about this week i think so it's yeah it, it's been quite a long one but there are a load of things to talk about we just got like i said a massive information dump uh we got some cool trailers we got some cool interviews of people who designed I guess both both sets really, Akoria and the Commander sets, and yeah, it looks like it's going to be fantastic so far. I'm finding it, I'm finding it quite difficult to keep up with spoiler season. I think, uh, I think that is partly due to the fact that there have been Commander spoilers and standard spoilers altogether. But I think by by the time this episode goes out, definitely all the Commander ones should be over. So it should just be standard ones that are coming out. Set looks fantastic. I think. The art direction is is incredible. Every card just looks stunning, whether it's playable or not, doesn't matter. It looks great. This is a plane that I think I'm really going to enjoy learning learning about and, and exploring. And limited format looks fantastic so far. Standard, I've got no idea. Pioneer, I I, I don't know. Don't know if there'll be anything that'll make us wait into Pioneer. Uh, Modern Legacy, probably not. But there's definitely one or two cards in vintage I'm looking at and. Yeah, I think it's cool. I'm loving this set so far. There's a card from the Commander set that has Delve that's probably very good in Legacy. Cool. <laughs> I'm looking forward to looking at that one. Yeah, it's a big whale and it looks really cool. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we're going to have a longer than normal period of time to digest and understand and, you know, you know, think about these cards. So, uh, so hopefully this big just wave of cards we've had to look at and mechanics to understand will... It'll be easier to... to to understand them over a longer period of time that we have this time around cool i think that's everything yeah definitely like i said we'll we'll get more into individual cards and 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 decks and strategies over the next couple of weeks as we we get a build a bigger picture of what's going to be in the set um yeah it's it just looks great from what we've seen so far and bring it on i'm really looking forward to, to more of this i'll tell you what since we've got all this time off and free time um how do you feel about doing like a full a full set review yeah we could do that just start it earlier in the day yeah other day and then do a full set review yeah that sounds great yeah. <laughs> i mean it's it's a bank holiday weekend coming up this weekend as well so I, i've got plenty Ooh. of free time over this weekend where i don't actually have to work um yeah i'm definitely definitely down for doing something like that do like a five hour episode where we just review literally every card yeah let's do it lock it in yeah great sweet something to fill up my time instead of just going <laughs> completely mad right cool i think that's it i think that's everything awesome so yeah i, I think this set's looking fantastic i'm looking forward to see what comes in the next couple of days but i think that's pretty much all we have time for this week how do you feel about akoria are you loving it uh, like we are how do you feel about godzilla if you if you've got some thoughts about the godzilla card come come hit us up definitely we want to know your take on them you can find us on twitter we are at hfdcast facebook.com slash hfdcast 
or you can follow us on Patreon. We are patreon.com slash devastation. If you want to give back in any monetary value there, tiers start from as little as $1 per month. That's roughly $20 to $25 per episode. We've got an abundance of different awards there. and 20 to $25 per episode? 20 to 25 cents per episode. I mean, yeah, you can give us $25 per episode if you want. <laughs> <laughs> we have, uh, yeah, we've got a, a bunch of content going on there. Uh, I'm using this time, this work from home slash isolation time very well i think in uh, in sorting stuff out on there uh, i'm making a lot more video content and stuff that's going to be going up there going to be writing my thoughts on some cards as well come check it out it's it's well worth it i think yeah and you can join the patreon at the zero dollar tier which is as little as zero dollars per, per, that's per episode zero dollars per episode correct yeah. yes uh, to join our discord and we'd really appreciate just just hanging out with people getting to speak to people um just getting more, more feedback, more engagement with the people at the store podcast, we really appreciate it. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, and you can find the podcast on Spotify and SoundCloud and iTunes. If you want to go to one of those platforms and leave us a review or a rating or just a comment or just share one of those platforms with your friends, we'd really appreciate it because we want more people to listen to the podcast. Totally. If you want to find me on my own personal social media, on Twitter, I am at PeachGardenOaf. That's O with an F. Facebook, I am Joe Loudon. You'll find me in pretty much any of the magic groups. Also catch me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash peachgardenoath, and YouTube, youtube.com slash peachgardenoath. Uh, I'm making a fair amount of video content at the moment. I've been playing a lot of Arena Sealed, and I love it. Come check it out and let me know what you think. You can find me on Twitter at snail69. Nice. I've got a lot of hard takes, and they don't just exist within the confines of this podcast. <laughs> that is correct. Yeah, <laughs> I, I fully fully endorse your hot takes, and I think people should come come get involved. Yeah, even when they don't relate to magic and relate to the, the general world. Agreed. If you like hot takes, <laughs> follow <laughs> me on Twitter. Awesome, so that is pretty much all we have time for this week. Uh, once again, we are approaching the second hour. The God Pharaoh has returned, so we'll see you again next week on Hour of Devastation. Oh, 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 oh